0: G'day and welcome to episode 274 of the Stag Raw. This episode I'm joined by Philip Spahn, at wild underscore heart underscore hunter on Instagram, or check out the dot wild dot table on Instagram. You'll find all of those links to Philip's uh, channels, his YouTube, his Facebook, all the things, uh, TikTok as well, in the link tree that's in the show notes. Check them out um philip is an absolute legend um he sent me away with with a uh, back strap a uh, venison stew roast which i uh, cooked the other night absolutely delicious in the slow cooker there um, there's a tri-tip and as well as uh, the leftovers of that delicious bull tongue he, he made which you can catch on um, his instagram page amazing uh work there by the man in great detail that's gone into their content um so This was an awesome chat. I went over to Tauranga after work, caught up with Philip, and uh, yeah, this is what we came up with, which which was fantastic. Often we happily spend money on maintaining our vehicles and homes, but are more reluctant to do so with our own bodies. While diet, exercise, and clean living can go so far, our bodies sometimes keep up with the demands, and then injuries, aches, pains tend to become increasingly troublesome. This is because some of the vital nutrients the body uses to maintain our joints and general well-being have become depleted. This is what we uh, sort of spoke about when we were talking about chronic fatigue there with Philip. On the flip side, it's astounding how well the body heals when it has what it needs. With Kane's deer velvet on board, the body is refilled with amazing nutrients it uses in maintaining the immune system, bones, joints, circulation, and general well-being with the tank topped up it can get on with the magic of healing and restoration find out more at www.kane'sdearvalvet.com and use the code STAGRAW252 for a 20% introductory discount that link again is in the show notes you'll also find the link to drinkelement.com slash had a few people asking me where can you get your hands on drink element just follow that link that'll take you to the shop um as I said in the last episode, if you're ordering over $100 US, you'll get that international shipping for free, so worthwhile stocking up there, and you'll also grab 20% off by using the code STAGRAW at checkout for ARIPA, the world's smartest brain food. 100% natural, caffeine-free effects you can feel. Right, without further ado, let's get into episode 274 with Philip Barn. Hope you enjoy. That's some of your biltong
1: that is some freshly made biltong. on it's uh, really loud at the moment is there a way to adjust the volume it's, yeah that is better
0: that's beautiful better yeah get, right, won't right, leave here with their ears ringing
1: <laughs>
0: mm. what's the dominant spice there
1: oh that's a max the dominant spice is probably coriander seed
0: mm. that's delicious
1: pretty good eh yeah we've tried a few different iterations but this uh, we, I think we finally nailed the recipe
0: so this is the one you put up on Unreal the other day yep amazing hmm nice do you have do you have any South African inf- influences anywhere
1: no I'm German so maybe that's close enough yeah but no
0: do they do this in Germany or
1: someone will yeah but it's not it's not a traditional thing no nah. no no
0: what about sauerkraut
1: oh yeah dude we i love sauerkraut it's n- my stomach probably doesn't love it all the time otherwise i'd be eating more of it but yeah i like sauerkraut a lot yeah kimchi yeah love kimchi
0: but again, i, I don't eat enough chili so uh, <laughs> bad do- bad days of kimchi and, and and uh and i know about it initially but once you get through the jar then you're, then, you're, then you're accustomed
1: so that's why it's good when you make it yourself because you can adjust you know the, the level of spice in it mm yeah. Yeah.
0: So how did uh, food become a focus?
1: How did food become a focus? I, I've always been into food. Yeah. I've always liked cooking a lot. You know, um, my grandma was a, a particularly talented home chef. Mm. Um, and I think ever since I was old enough to sort of stand in front of a stove and make myself whatever sausages, you know, I've liked, I was like, I just, I've always known that I've enjoyed the process of making food for myself.
0: So what? What did making sausages as a kid look like?
1: No, just just frying sausages in the oh, pan. Okay, you're like cooked yeah, right?
0: yeah, I was gonna say I thought you were, you know, tying some knots, you know, hanging out some beautiful stuff.
1: Inlet, I wasn't. Like, yeah,
0: yeah. Inlet, yeah, I was exactly <laughs> no, having that yeah. October Octoberfest vibe.
1: <laughs> you're picturing the wrong childhood. That, yeah. that definitely wasn't it, but yeah, like the love of food has always been there. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um. Did your grandmother come out or to New Zealand? Or?
1: She did. She made it out a couple of times, I think, um, before she passed away. Um, yeah. She didn't do a lot of cooking out th- then anymore. You know, she had already gotten reasonably old. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think she came out twice.
0: Did she have any English um, language or was it all German?
1: Um, it's a funny one. Like, I'd say just about everyone in Europe has some English. Yeah. You know, like, where's the train station? And where's the toilet? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but if you really push them quite often, especially the older generation, they, they don't really yeah. engage so much, no.
0: And so, how old were you when she last came out?
1: Mm. I came to New Zealand when I was 16. Mm-hmm. I think the last time my grandma was here, I, I might have been maybe 20. Yeah. 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 It's a while ago. She died reasonably young. I think 72 she was.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Did you ever have the foresight to ask her what she thought of this place?
1: Nah, um, <clears throat> no, I didn't. I um, my both of my grandparents, they are both dead now so um, actually, all of them, all of them, like, all four of them, I should say, there's more than two. Yeah, but the two people who are sort of important to me were, I guess, my, my mom's mom and my mom's dad. Yeah, and they were quite um, tight-lipped about yeah. a lot of stuff. You know, yeah. um, a, a lot of Germans from the sort of World War Two generations were quite. Quite tight. Yeah. A lot of stuff. Yeah. You can imagine why.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, was, I had a patient today who was American and um, he had German heritage, but he'd done it, done his, uh, and Austrian heritage. He'd done his DNA and he was he was dominated by Italian and French and, and stuff. I ended up telling him about it. I just finished listening to a Dan Cullen talk about, <clears throat> um, again, unrelated, but it was called the Celtic Holocaust. Uh-huh. And, um, it just this, you know, the Roman influence through yeah up into Germany, just wars after wars and raids after raids, and just so, like you as well, you know, olive skin Germans, right? Yeah, I'm olive skin Irishman, right? And yeah, and and exactly that. But he said, you know, both sides. Of my family came to America in the 1800s, and so they're very much like pleased about that they were americans they weren't yep. they weren't germans and that was the hands-off thing but yeah to, to um a generational guilt twice over would it be yep yeah
1: Yep. no there's there's a lot of that and it's um i mean history is a funny thing right mm. like if you really look into history like we have such a narrow like perspective of history yeah you know especially like when you talk about world war ii right it's like that's this like huge thing as if almost like nothing had happened before yeah. then right
0: <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. the year zero the romans have been like yeah. i think i think uh dan Collins talking about a good 60 years and 400 years prior to that the reason why they had such angst for the gauls or the Celts was because they'd come into rome and siege the the city of rome and that mm. was kind of like their narrative to get back at them yeah and that's again like a 400 year space in here you and i talking about 70 years seven ago. years ago
1: exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> It, yeah precisely yeah I, I mean people talk about um genghis khan you know killed so many people in his reign not personally obviously but his through his armies that he changed the carbon levels mm. of the planet at the time right <laughs> it's madness uh, but no one talks about that yeah it's just because uh, you know world war ii is so well publicized and yeah and advertised in, in such a such a way yeah i find history fascinating you know like
0: well that and i don't know what motivated me to start scrolling through some dan carlin but yeah it's sort of this celtic thing and then for me being um half roman catholic irish half protestant irish um having olive skin and like hearing about this messed up situation and in, in year dot um it's kind of like ah oh, yeah if i did my genetics i'd be yeah, it's a shambles of european european blood mm. yeah and, and so much bloodshed you know and the same with Ireland he he finishes it off quite good that he had at high school an Irish lady come in uh, or student come in um board with him and he was playing this war and the Irish lady said "Oh, well, who wins and he said oh the Romans of course the Romans always win mm-hmm. and she said well what language do they speak in Italy and you know oh, Italian and, said well they're still speaking irish in ireland (laughs) it's just like oh that sort of um you know resilience of of a people that just have battled and intertwined yet you know and again the thought i had was like you know they're supposedly celtic and pagan yet the catholic religion dominates in the southern parts of ireland where these supposed Celts are and it's like that's another interesting you know mind mind shift of of the influence over you know Two do what are we up to two thousand years yeah
1: yeah yeah history is a uh, i mean we, we could probably spend all night talking about history you know when you, when you really get into it it's just there's so much there that, to unpack
0: have you delved much into it in, in your life
1: no i mean i, I just um we we're sort of saying just before we started the podcast i like listening to information you yeah. know like podcasting has revolutionized my life because i feel like it's such a um, good way to spend time that you would otherwise do nothing else like mm-hmm. driving you, know? yeah. you sit there and you can digest information and I think not all of it sticks you know yeah. but I but I really like listening to information and so a certain amount of it always sticks like um, have you listened or read to um, uh, Sapiens yeah yeah what a book mm. right talking about history and talking about like the shape and, and
0: Hamadeus as well I read both those
1: oh you know what I couldn't <laughs> Hamadeus man I got into it which is the the sequel of course yeah. to to sapiens and uh i was just like man this where we're going is yeah uh, scary I'd,
0: um <clears> how <throat> many people realize that uh Johan harari is it yohan harari
1: Yo, Nahari.
0: yeah yeah is gay and vegan and there's two chapters in sapiens which really pushed the vegan narrative that, that i struggled with yeah <clears throat> And then he like hits at home and homer as well like oh we're gonna look back on the world and how meat eating ancestors is a shame <laughs> it's like we get the picture man <laughs> you, you know what
1: i didn't get that far and i'm glad uh, i didn't
0: yeah i that and, and it's because i'd already known about it yeah. i think that i like and i think at the time reading it i was also listening to a lot of um like Ted name and baker uh what's the other doctor uh, you know it doesn't matter carnival code guy um Saladino oh Saladino okay. yeah so like and I think they might have pointed it out that in Sapien you know that this was a floor of Sapien so I picked it out really easily yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and I think I like yeah, you know I want to own a deer farm so I have a, quite an agricultural view on the world that you know we should be close to our food and I, I find pasture agriculture is a pretty good way to do it but hey <laughs> he he begs to differ her
1: yeah i mean i, I found that in *Sapiens*, he probably sort of didn't push that like I, I knew i didn't actually know that he was gay or vegan yeah. um neither one of those things matters to me but no um i didn't find that in *Sapiens* he pushed that across too much i think he just painted a really good sort of almost like an easy to understand um you know step to step like um story of where yeah. we come from and, yeah and, and and sort of dives into like certain things like religion like why why christianity why Um, you know all these certain things have come to be and come to pass yeah Um, i think it's it's definitely a good book to listen to yeah but yeah information like listening to information um and actually like probably sapiens is kind of a good sort of a transition into into what what i do and what we do right Mm. um which is creating content around wild food um there's a there's a story there that needs to be told you know around wild food um, you asked me earlier how I got into into food and mm. what like what makes food the what did you say what what
0: why is it the thing you're choosing to tell the story about
1: why is it the thing okay yeah it's yeah. um it's just a it's just a human story right like everyone needs to eat yeah um, and you know choosing to create content around that um, like I've al- I've always wanted to create content uh, you know like getting into 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 telling a story of something like when i <clears throat> i used to be based up in auckland and uh, fitness used to be sort of my mm. used to be my thing um and even at that time i sort of was into a little bit of acting and that kind of stuff and tried to was in spartacus i was in spartacus yeah, yeah. <laughs> did you did you know this
0: i thought you were yeah because like like i said when i was listening to that podcast that you're on and i was like "Was the gym you were with was that ludus and then it was just like because i had already clicked i was like oh, that's right, i no, you're beat you it's Lutus," and he's like yeah it was Lutus." i was like ah i remember now and then i was like oh of course you're in spartacus too <laughs> i was thinking that this morning, he was like he was in spartacus right
1: yeah i mean it was just an extra don't don't it wasn't uh yeah you'd never pick the out. whole gym was right just about yeah yeah <laughs> which is really funny so you used to come to my gym right yeah 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I, I, I did like it it was just i was a poor student i think i won a month or a couple of months free there yeah i won a couple of um sessions free over the over the bridge at ticket ticket training as well right um yeah it was good i wanted to go and and join auckland crossfit and like i've talked to darren now and i was like man i wanted to come to that gym but yeah i just couldn't couldn't make it work at the at the time like yeah it's it's funny my financial spending at university was shocking because I like lived in two thousand dollars overdrawn, I'm like, "Why well, the did I not live in zero dollars?" Right, <laughs> it just made no sense. <laughs> like I survived every week, but it was two thousand dollars overdrawn.
1: I'm like, "Sounds so dumb." <laughs> Man, that's rough. Yeah. When did you um? When did you finish? When did you graduate?
0: Uh, so I, my last year in Auckland was 2013. Right. Yeah, then I started working in 2014.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you left Auckland pretty much almost the same time as I did. Yeah. Yeah i left in 2012
0: yeah yeah how how did did food get you out of um chronic fatigue or
1: so chronic fatigue um it's still kind of there sometimes when i push things too far it comes back Mm. you know for anyone who's listening who wasn't privy to this conversation i i got really sick um that's kind of why i left my gym um chronic fatigue was the thing you know mm-hmm. like at the at the height of it i was sleeping i don't know somewhere like 18 hours a day i was i was so knackered um just from overtraining not eating right not not periodizing my training mm-hmm. not looking in, into any real aspects of health other than fitness i was, yeah. I was so fitness driven and so success driven that i just ignored everything else my body was screaming at me and it just told me time after time like dude you need to chill you need mm-hmm. to do something else i pushed i pushed i pushed i just had this idea that i could just push through it and I crashed and i burned and i just i just destroyed myself i was at the point and i was still training. <laughs>
0: yeah on then the podcast you said you'd like get up do the session and go home and sleep
1: again, right? yeah i would pretty much teach the session and quite often we would do the session at the same time right yeah um i'd go home and go back to sleep uh, and joe my business partner at the time and i we would sort of uh, alternate days you know so mm-hmm. i'd teach the morning one day and then the evening and the next day and so forth and well so, yeah on the morning days would be going at four thirty, five, something like that right up the class do the class go home sleep yeah that was that was knackered um so did food get me out of it food had a lot to do with getting me away from it mm-hmm. so when i left um auckland actually i moved on to the hawks bay um got into uh, another line of work which was equally as physical. So I started uh, I started working as an arborist. Mm. <clears throat> got a got a job with the company, bullshitted my way into it. Mm-hmm. Um I could climb, but I'd done a lot of rock climbing. Yeah. I'd gotten some climbing gear, so I just kinda of bullshitted my way into it. And had no idea about chainsaws or anything. Who did Safety. you work for? I, I shouldn't even say that. <laughs> they shouldn't have fired me. And there was a lot of dodgy shit that went down.
0: Um I yeah. know uh, <laughs> um back to religion there's one of the arborists couldn't companies down there that are associated with a certain oh. church oh really yeah <laughs> the uh, brethren's
1: oh yeah right on those guys are funny man they work mm. it wasn't them oh well brethren's off the hook it wasn't them. <laughs> uh, but yes yeah, so i got into that line of work you know um, which was equally as as knackering as, as running a gym if not yeah. more actually like, we're
0: mostly so. in trees or are we doing vineyards and stuff as well yeah it,
1: in the trees yeah climbing dissembling trees and then dropping them to the ground and then jumping down and helping the boys feed it to the chipper which <laughs> Being up in the tree was all right. Coming down and feeding into the chipper. You know, you do that for five hours. You're done. You yeah. Toast. And, um, so yeah, I experimented a lot with fasting mm-hmm. keto, which mm-hmm. had, a, which had a, like a hugely beneficial effect on my system. I find, actually, I've never felt better than when I was doing keto consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I just found it incredibly difficult to uh, keep up. Mm-hmm. Have you done, have you done a stint on keto?
0: I have done a stint on keto. Um, I, I, didn't measure anything which was probably a downfall um but yeah i felt pretty solid and i you know i was able to do like 70 hour fasts yep um i think i think that one was assisted with exogenous ketones i'm not sure can't remember i did, did it many times but yeah yeah it was over a sort of a space of three or four years no two or three years mm-hmm. now i like so Especially on a Friday evening I'll I'll drive and pick my daughter up and I'll, you know, have lunch through till you know, nine or ten AM on Saturday. Um, like tonight I'll basically be my snack on that. But yep. yeah. <laughs> you know, I can go and do a podcast and not have dinner type stuff. Yeah. Um, and then at the other end of the day I can skip breakfast, skip lunch and just have dinner, you know, do OMAD. Mm. But yeah, don't get carried away with it anymore. Mm. It was sort of um, it's quite easy at the moment living my on my own that's about to change but um just to sort of slap a steak in the oven and some vegetables and yeah and live that way like yep. a bacon eggs for breakfast mm. and, yeah and liberating crazy. though right yeah yeah
1: Li- liberating to, to get away from the idea that we need to eat all the time yeah you know and heaps yeah right? um i think that's for like running the gym i was like um i don't know what you were like when you were going through like that sort of hardcore exercise phase but I, I always think I was thought at the time that I just had to eat lots yeah. all the time just max calories you know just just smacking in lots of protein but then also lots of carbs and I didn't realize at the time that things like rice yeah. just completely like annihilated my system right. <clears throat> I can't eat rice mm-hmm. like, I get I get a super sore stomach and I just crash my yeah. system just can't handle it
0: well yeah I, I sort of went um, I grew up on sandwiches mm. like um, getting up for swimming. I like I remember it very vividly because there three of us that swam out where I lived, we we're ten minutes out of town, and so we created a carpool. Um, and I remember standing at my driveway, pouring rain. I've got my jacket out there waiting to get picked up, and I'd scoff down a banana and honey sandwich, and I just remember it, the be standing there dry reaching, and then I remember I'd get like through the warm up, and we would be into the first set, and I'd do a burp, and I'd, in my mind I'd be like, oh, that's me get um, getting the energy but i just don't think like even then i think i was gluten intolerant and there yeah. was like the early signs of it and so then by the time i got to um dunedin so i'd had one year in auckland back to dunedin and it was yeah the seventh season so the the i'd done a whole year in dunedin drinking and crazy life not sleeping and had glandular fever <laughs> just a terrible year and trying to go hardcore and i'd be the fittest person there still but then i'd just start getting stomach cramps and stuff and i was never had the idea of like gluten-free or Mm -hmm. gluten intolerance or anything and it took like three or four more years and then um i don't know if you ever came across some steve kumarich up in auckland he um pt it i think still does at least mills a lot um he brought up the idea of paleo to me he's like mm. you know just he's like put it really simply like if you can pick it from the ground if you can kill it or grab it from a tree that's fine to eat mm. but if it's got to be processed then it's probably not good go with that mindset so i threw away bread started eating eggs for breakfast and it was just like rocking it off and i was like oh, okay that's cool <laughs> Dude, I,
1: right like it's yeah. it, sometimes it is that simple you know yeah. like, um there's a guy uh, so i'm a landscape by trade you know as well as creating content and such and the guy who's working with me at the moment, you know, I've been keep telling him like every morning he'd have a piece of uh, sort of around 10 o'clock smoker, right? He'd yeah. have a sandwich, yeah. white bread sandwich, or multi grain, whatever, same shit. It's healthy. You know, <laughs> and two cookies. <laughs> yeah, oh, every wow. morning, yeah. two cookies. And by 11, 11 you know, they'd be like a stunned possum. Like, yeah. mate, you okay? Oh, oh, yeah, just a bit tired, just a bit tired, you know, sort of a bit dazed. And every day I'd say to him, bro. Listen, like those two cookies that you you think they're gonna give you energy, but all they're doing is they're robbing you of energy later, and they give you brain fog. And the reason you're feeling this way is because of what you're eating. You know? Yeah. And he'd sort of look into my lunchbox every day and be like, "Oh, so what? Meat and veg? is that it?" I'm making him sound a bit stupid. He's not. He's a super nice guy, but you know, he'd kind of just be like, "Oh, is is, is that? Do you think that's the way to to eat?" And I'm like, "Yeah, man, 100 percent." Yeah uh not like not even approaching the fact that i think not eating in the first part of the day is actually the most valuable thing for most people not yeah. for everyone i think bio- um, biological diversity is a is thing right mm. you know we're all individually quite different so we've got to figure out what works for you but i think for the most part taking away um a breakfast especially if it's sugary mm. you know and carbs are sugar right to you to your system uh, it improves for i think for most people making a really positive change right mm. and so like he tried it the other day he was like oh yeah you know he goes what did you say oh your boys got meat and veg in the lunchbox." in in the lunchbox and i was like oh great cool good good stuff you know <laughs> an hour later he goes you know what i think you might be right yeah i'm feeling better i'm like yeah good
0: how, how did you get um a paradigm shift when you were in hawks bay like did you get facil- facilitated by anyone i know um Ben Warren was pretty big around that time.
1: Yeah. Yep. I actually went to see one of his, one of his, um, talks and I like Ben Warren a lot. I think he's, mm. he's done a lot of good for the country. Um, I don't know, man. I think it was just an accumulation, like reading, obviously having chronic fatigue and having to sort of educate myself around, like, mm. how, how do I get rid of this? How do I fix this? How do I change this? Um, food just became my focal point because I, I just noticed the biggest shifts. I could take supplements mm-hmm. um, and I could, you know modify other things like alcohol etc but none of those things made as big of a difference as the energy source eating yeah. definitely yeah. yeah yeah
0: did you look at uh, mold or candida or SIBO and all that sort of jazz
1: not so much not so much yeah but i um, i know that that's definitely an issue, an issue as well um actually you know seeing as you have sort of looked into this kind of stuff how do you place coffee do you consume coffee
0: yeah i do yeah um <clears throat> I've always been a big caffeine responder, which has been nice.
1: As in, like you.
0: Yeah, I I do well. Um, So in rugby, I'd take three hundred megs. Yeah. And it'd be it'd be amazing, and I wouldn't wouldn't have a crash as well. I can hold caffeine for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think probably the half life for me is mm, maybe four hours. Okay. Yeah. So then that means that if I push past twelve. I ruin my evening, so I am conscious of that like I love the taste like mm-hmm. I, I'm a especially you know no, long black drinker um in the morning I start with a um a coffee pot you know stove top thing yep. um just black just black i yep. uh, my my first one I'll do bulletproof um so butter and cream yep. Yep. or or you know not always cream yep um and then I'll get sort of another cup and a half black mm. and at work, I just sort of do one macuna, and, and and yeah, that's, that's that'll do me. Mm. Um, in Takaroa, we had a coffee machine. I would do one, one more. So yeah, yeah. so I'm probably getting like four cups of coffee before before ten
1: thirty.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then that'll be it.
1: And how do you see the mold? Because mold is the thing with coffee, right?
0: Yeah, that's the whole bulletproof coffee yeah. sales pitch, right? Yeah, yeah. Now I think um, it was mostly black mold for me. Yeah. Um <clears throat> environmental. Environmental mould. So flooding in Dunedin was not great. Um yep. in Auckland I lived in upland in the very dip before it goes up into um what's the next suburb down? Anyway, along Will Road. We were on the south side of that. It was a pretty eerie, cold, damp place. Moved out to a nice place in onihanga and then moved into um, Arch Hill again on the south side of that hill. Mm. Um we were in a basement um flat we used to clean our bathroom with exit mould because yeah, it was right. just like we'd have a black roof otherwise
1: yeah yeah. and so you know there's big shifts and changes
0: yeah and and so um, I worked with Dr. Steve Joe in Hamilton mm. and yeah mould was not as bad as, as my ex um, she had endometriosis and that, that mm. took I think it took her maybe nine months to clear mould um, and then on top of that candida mm. um Last year, I think post the vaccines, I think I had a bit of a candida surge again. Mm. Um, and again, that, that base, that's what's interesting. I, I said, Did you consider that? And you said, No, you know, I did fasting and keto. And that was kind of the treatment. And then it was the same with this candida last year. The treatment right. was cleaning up my diet, getting away from alcohol, getting away from sugar, right. not fueling it. Um, unfortunately, getting away from legumes. So I love peanut butter. So mm. that means no peanut butter for a while. And um, yeah the rash i had cleared away my you know feed and stuff improved and stuff like that so yeah but yeah mold and coffee yeah i guess it's a thing yeah um
1: no so i had considered candida for sure definitely but it's kind of like what you just alluded to that you know when you're on a ketogenic diet or Mm. on a really low carb diet and you leave away things like like alcohol Mm. candida tends to subside anyway
0: yeah And, and the um butyrate that's in your gut starts to promote those um positive bacteria that um, sort of burn out the candida and, and SIBO as well. So, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's what's, you know, a good byproduct of this thing and why it can be healing initially. And then you become more tolerant to more things and, yeah. you know, more um, your carbohydrate spectrum can improve. I think Clefavi talks about that, like carb appropriate eating. Like, do mm-hmm. you need to be narrowband or expanding? And that's what I find interesting about like Jordan Peterson, Michaela Peterson. Like, mm. they can't get out of carnivore. And it's like, and have they, yeah, it's it's going to be an interesting 10 years for those guys.
1: It will be. I mean, M- Michaela Peterson's story is fascinating. When I listened, when I was listening to it. I was just like, holy shit. Like her body like rebels so hard against most foods that she had to have a hip replacement, right? Yeah. And ankles. And ankle replacement. And like her body was like pretty much like we're done, right? We're yeah. Not. She was dying and then she just switched to this like extreme diet which she's been doing enough for what like five six years yeah maybe longer
0: and i think her and her mum just eat lamb
1: yeah or beef right was no lamb, lamb. Okay. yeah <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> and then jordan i think he can eat beef as well
1: yeah right yeah but there's something to it though. there's something to um a style of eating i mean do you listen to um uh, gundry stephen gundry
0: i know who stephen gundry is um one of the early podcasts i did was with um a guy that makes circuit bands yeah and yeah one of the photos they had for the early marketing was with Stephen country now but i don't listen to him yeah
1: yeah i mean i don't promote i've just listened to a few of his audio books and you yeah. know he sort of comes at it from i i don't really want to paraphrase what he says but you know one thing that he does talk about a lot is, is like not mixing too many foods together mm-hmm. and i think there's something to it you know like i definitely find if i eat a meal that has like all the fats and all the proteins and all mm. the carbs it's just carnage in my stomach every single time whereas like tonight we had um and salad mm-hmm. and i'm good you know yeah. i feel light i feel easier for clear I had, food is just such a we've made it this thing right by making it so accessible and so um I, I don't know by creating this ritual it's like oh you know you have this, this well at least in the western world it's mm. like you know this is your dinner and you have you know what is it? One meat, two veg, type yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's just like, oh, that's what you eat, mm. and then you have things like, oh, you know, breakfast, most important part of the day, and and all of these sayings that have no real root in like our real history. Or, mm. Like when I say our oh, real history, I mean we've been here for a freaking long time. Mm. But the way we live today has just been such a short shift in time, and in that short shift of time, we've created all of these things which we now take as like norm and as given. Mm. And it's when you take that away it tends to change things for people quite dramatically yeah. you know and I'm, I'm quite interested in, in what that is um in saying that though i'm also not an expert on those things you mm-hmm. know like by any means and I, and I struggle like i find because i'm a tradie um i, I find sticking to like a real clean diet it's tough it's mm-hmm. really tough mm-hmm. you know like uh, this morning i had a pie I, mm-hmm. I tried to avoid doing that but i did i was i was hungry ass yes, and i saw this pie and i was like, cool i'm gonna smash this and I felt okay, but I know if I do that again tomorrow, hmm. and then again tomorrow, I, I just my system is gradually just starts to shut down and I start feeling more and more shit as, as yeah. I go. You know, um, the thing, like the the story of food, that sort of that I feel like I can talk to a little bit better than the health aspects of it because I'm, I'm not an expert on those things by any means. Is probably the connection to food. Yeah. You know, that's that's a big one for me, and I, you know I've not listened to a few of your podcasts as well. And, uh, you know, I get that that's quite a big thing for you as well, is like, where did it come from? Mm-hmm. You know, like, not just like what it is that I'm eating, but also where did it come from? You know, that biltong that's sitting in front of you right now, I can tell you exactly w- what farm that came from and, mm. and how I shot it and how I felt when I shot it and how I felt when I came to the animal and h- how we felt when we brought it back. I can tell you how we felt when it was hanging downstairs in the fridge and mm. I can tell you how we felt when we turned it into biltong. And I can tell you how I feel it right now, looking at that little yeah. ball of built on, right? There's, there's, <clears throat> there's a sense of connection to that thing. You know, my partner, Jessica, talks about this a lot. There's that, there's that really strong like, connection to knowing that um, no other hands than my, my hands and her hands have touched this one thing and brought it here.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love, um, like, I think I've still got one backstack in my freezer that I'm saving for an occasion. Like, yeah. like backstacks are like my occasion occasion one. And I also love uh, getting a little bit of it and um, carving it off and, and ser- serving it as g- gazpacho. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like I, th- I think that's like one of the best ways to serve back back steak is like here, just have it like like same if you caught a tuna. Yeah, that day you'd be like like here, let's have ceviche. Right. Like it's, I find that's the same thing with with venison. You know, it's such a lean meat yeah. that hey, you can have this protein raw <laughs> yeah. Was it?
1: yeah 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 big time this is, so are you saying you're running out of wild game at home oh yeah
0: that's that what i was that's what i was trying to do on the weekend i was uh oh, 10 meters away from a sinker mm. it was so i was up at the top of the ridge and trying to figure out where the spur was to get down to the settle mm-hmm. and it was like the you know everything happened really fast but also in slow motion like it when you play it back in your mind it's like that was so sl- slow and all sort of purposeful like russell russell and then like actually i realized that i got whack on the back of the head by the wind because i was on the top of the spur when the wind <laughs> goes down the spur and um yeah russell russell rustle, rustle, off it goes and then so then i, I followed this deer down the spur I, I don't know if it was the same one or not but then i sort of um, so you know, it's always good when you're in a spot and someone else has been there before and they've marked it. Mm, yeah, <laughs> and um, and there's there's one that had a lot of markers on it. and Then all of a sudden, the the characteristics he could whip went off. As I stood there and, and I didn't hear the, the the movement this time, so I gave it sort of five minutes and uh, five minutes, and then crept around. And I saw it go around because I was on a little little knob where it had leveled out slightly. It was starting to get to the saddle, and I saw it go around and then stop. And so then I crept a little bit more to the side of the tree, and then it was that moment of like, God, I wish I'd been at the ready because I saw her go like the tiniest amount of her head, and then it was like tail up, RC, and like I can't shoot that, and then gone, and I saw like the through through the trees like the tiniest bit of her head, and she went around, and it, and it was a little um head head gut. So then it was boots off, pack off try to keep around and then I got to the, the other side of, of the head and the tracks went four or four, five ways I was like god
1: damn gone.
0: that's that's that Go on. <laughs> yeah. so yeah um, yeah definitely could have been uh, in very big trouble and poached on Potanui, but that's not that's not sporting <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> well, that's hunting right yeah we, we've been super fortunate because we're um, <clears throat> through the wild table um, sort of become ambassadors for a few different things and one of the programs that we are ambassadors for now is the Hunting HQ. Yeah, you, so you cool. There?
0: Yeah, or oh, just through you, man. Okay, right. Yeah, so I haven't heard too much about it.
1: Yeah. So uh, Hunting HQ, I um, <clears throat> uh, basically kind of doing what, in my mind, the government should have done a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, they're basically making it more accessible for hunters to get to private land. Mm. You know, because as you, I mean, have you hunted private land?
0: Uh, my mate's farm in Takagina, uh, and which is great. Of, of um shot some red deer on there yeah and we went to a fallow block in wanganui yeah yeah
1: it's a lot easier isn't
0: it oh yeah and and so many opportunities to go. hone your hunt go again yeah go, go again. again that's right yeah like um a whole day bow hunting get, getting to full draw but not being able to let go mm. and then the next day taking my rifle out yeah. and, and missing at 30 yards going shit but i just walked over the hill <laughs> and there was one of <laughs> and instead yeah. Do it
1: again, yeah, yeah, and it's not like it's not the same experience as what you were describing before. Um, I yeah. ha- actually haven't been able to hunt because we've been producing content for the last couple of years. I actually haven't been able to hunt like how you were just talking about that seeker hunt, yeah, and I miss it, yeah. You know, I, I, sometimes I miss just being in there and getting skunk, <laughs> right, but but coming close, and it's not because I don't want to be successful, but it's just that's hunting, right? It's yeah. real hunting, yeah, but if you're wanting to live out of the freezer, which we do, you know, we hardly ever buy meat. <clears throat> um, having access to private land mm. is kind of what makes that possible. <clears throat> you know, because if you wanted to feed yourself solely from venison, all you're doing is public land hunting, mm. man, you'd have to go a lot. <clears throat> you have to be very good. Yeah. And very strong to carry all that stuff out. Right. Yeah. Because sometimes yeah. you're going to go for, um, <clears throat> you know, kilometers at a time with the whole deer on your back. And you, you know how grueling that is, you know? Yeah.
0: I did it in the comments last year. And that was i was on the face and so i was and i knew i could get it to a chiller and so i was like right i think she was uh first fauna so she wasn't too big yeah i was like all right i'm gonna do this it was it was slightly sore but yeah worth it I it's so worth it <clears throat> yeah
1: actually i'm a, I'm a big advocate of
0: it was a neck shot too so it was all there
1: nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, i try to i like that height, that sort of low neck shot <clears throat> yeah i'm a big advocate for Hunting also being a kind of a, especially if it's your first one, kind of being a sort of a rite of passage. Mm. You know, I was living in Queenstown for a little while and, um, a buddy of mine down there asked me, um, he said, Hey, um, you went into a lot of hunting, eh? Said, yep. Evidently. And he was like, yeah. Would you take me out for a hunt? And I was like, yep. Why do you want to go? You know? And he says, well, i'm honestly trying to decide if i'm going to be a meat eater or not he was mm. sort of teetering on the on the on the should i become a vegetarian or not for uh, moral reasons mm. which i applaud <clears throat> you know it means that you're thinking about what you're doing um so i said to him yeah cool man i'll take you out and uh <laughs> we got up this hill um i was living in a place called paradise at the time and we had some like literally paradise which is i think another hour so hour and a half outside of queenstown
0: which way is it was it towards Glenorchy, Glenorchy? Yeah, yeah Glenorchy and then again yeah. oh right yeah yeah.
1: <clears throat> yeah. so it was an hour and a half I think or even an hour 40 stunning environment mm, oh, lots, yeah. of, lots of deer flow over there
0: going into Queenstown yeah and I just, just said to my partner across the house like let me out yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll stay right here yeah i just want to go right <laughs>
1: I tried I tried to stay but I couldn't <laughs> so I took this guy out for his deer and it was sort of one of those things you know where he had kind of done the prep in a way <clears throat> and what, the, what I mean by that is he'd sort of internally prepared himself you know He'd really sat with the idea of going for a hunt mm-hmm. not just going oh yeah let's go for a walk and let's chat he was like he was there to hunt <clears throat> and went up there saw some deer i was like they're a little bit far for your first shot you know it was a, probably about 160 meters so i was like don't take this one you know don't take this one kept going kept going and he and this like one lonely red hind popped up and ran stopped to look back back as the as the young ones tend to do and he was stood there and i was like dude this is your shot man take it take it take it take it not nah, didn't take the shot she bolted again and i was like Fuck, okay well that's gone she stopped again i was like dude this i just i said nothing anymore at that point he took forever in in my mind at that time shot her and he goes yes that was a headshot i was like dude you shitting me you just took a headshot for your first shot <laughs> He goes, yeah and i saw her go down like a potato it was like she was she was dead you know get to the deer and he's just like man like wow like looking at this animal and we sort of took a little took a little bit of time to to look at it and <clears throat> let him like really like process that 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 thing that he just done mm. um and then as the time was passing i sort of started smiling at him and he's kind of looking at me like what i'm like well i said to him, brother <clears throat> if this was your second or third hunt we'd take turns but it's your first mm so this one is all on you (laughs) so i encourage you all the way through but this is all you you know and i would do the same thing with any anyone who was um so capable of carrying the whole animal yeah and like that was the thing you know he carried it out and anyone who's had a whole deer on their back knows what that feels like right it's cutting into your shoulders it hurts blood's trickling all down into your pants you know (laughs) (laughs) Ticks. <laughs> yeah you had, you had ticks down there right yeah ticks. yeah <clears throat> we we're super lucky in this country with ticks. but anyway it's a you know it's a hard experience right it's, it's not a it's not for the it's not something you do do all the time or even most people aren't even exposed to it, ever really and he got to the bottom of that that hill and he just put that deer down and he was like man you know thanks thanks a lot thanks a lot for the experience thanks a lot for like guiding me to this animal and like making me realize that i can eat meat hmm. yeah i don't think he's ever gone hunting again since then he went back to germany but that was a powerful experience both for him and myself mm-hmm. and um i you know those those moments like i, I like i put a lot of value in that mm. I, I think so many people are so disconnected from food today you know even the the thought of like growing a carrot and then harvesting that and putting it onto your plate to most people is just like totally foreign mm-hmm. which I find scary as shit. Well,
0: that's that's where I also thought, again, same time that I was like reading home days, talked and listening to Sean Baker and stuff like that. I had a vegetable garden Mm. out front in Cambridge and, you know, there's white butterflies everywhere and every day i get out there on the broccoli and squash all these green caterpillars and that's like... That's my like one thing with the vegan thing. I was like, "Have you grown broccoli?"
1: <laughs> yeah, for sure.
0: It's fucking yeah. impossible. Oh no,
1: nothing dies. Yeah. No. Yeah, you're right. Everything dies, man. Like yeah. just because it's a caterpillar, and not a deer. Right, yeah. What's the fucking difference?
0: I killed hundreds of caterpillars for
1: sure because they're trying to eat your food. Yeah. Right. The the whole vegan thing is such. Like I said before, I I, I appreciate anyone who thinks about their food. Yeah. Right? And I think that.
0: And and, and, and like vegans and hunters are probably closer than people that go to the supermarket exactly. and mindlessly go shop in the middle.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say. Right? Yeah. In philosophy, because we're thinking about what we're eating, right? Yeah. and there's a there's a moral standpoint that you're taking when you say, well, I want to go get my own food, or, okay, fine, I don't want to eat meat, but I'm going to you know, mm. eat things that have a certain moral value. There's there's more correlation there than between someone who's just going to eat whatever. And it's like, oh, whatever. Like, that's, that's
0: the thing as well, putting a moral value on your food. Mm-hmm. Like the moral value from the perspective of your hunter is, I played the hand in that, Mm. I shot and killed the animal, I potentially butchered the animal, I potentially rested and prepared and optimised the animal, Mm. and you know, you and I also want to put it on the table and share it with people and create that environment. Totally. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, it's a it's a huge process, and it's uh, I mean I can't encourage people enough to to just which is the whole point of why we create content. I mean it's not just because. Um, it's fun to do it's it's telling a story of uh you know reconnection hmm. um and if anyone was, was tuning in or was listening or watching watching what we do it's about connecting to your food and everything that comes with that too right because it's, ultimately it's not just the food it's food to me is like <clears throat> well i mean put it this way if you said to me hey uh, do you want to go for a hike most likely my answer would be mm, probably not Mm-hmm. But if you said to me, hey, do you want to go for the same hike? But at the end of it, there's a deer. I'd be like, yeah, f- when, when are we going to go? You know? mm. right. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. You know, what, and what I'm trying to get at for that is, is not that I don't think being in nature on its own is a beautiful thing. It is. But for me, the point is to like go and con- really connect with it. Right. And really like delve into it. Mm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um, Lee Perry from, uh, what's it called? Wild. No. Sorry, Lee. I makes noise anyway. Yeah yeah he was talking about hunting as you're actually out there observing nature you know every aspect of it is, is observation and slowing down and
1: yeah. I, I was just listening to that very pod, very podcast and i liked what he had to say a lot actually i, I appreciate guys like him a lot because he's seen some stuff you know mm, bullshit, yeah. oh yeah right you can hear it when he's when he's talking yeah and he's got a lot of like very pragmatic wisdom in what he's saying and i really liked the way he was talking about hunting and what it all entails Mm. For you to be that present with something, you know that you've got to really use all your senses. Mm. There's a lot to that. Mm. I really enjoyed that podcast. That was, that was a yeah. great episode.
0: No, it's um one of those people that I'm that I'm stoked to have met in in Topeau. Like, mm. um, was gosh, uh the tripping on trout introduced uh-huh. me to him in lockdown, uh-huh. and then so. We've been sort of messaging back and back and forth on Instagram, and then it's like um, I got to meet him at the six show, and then uh, saw him again at the NZDA shoot at Topor, and then I was like, mate, I want to do a podcast with you. He's like, well, what do you want to talk to me about? I was like, I know you are interesting yeah i know you got an interesting talk like he told me that knife making was therapeutic for for the things he <laughs> think things he'd been through in the past now now of course in the podcast we didn't necessarily get too deep on, on things that he'd been through in the past but um yeah like you say that the wisdom that he got out of a, of a life like that you know mm-hmm. is is pragmatic and, and applicable and, and that's why even when he said with his um sort of consulting job it's just like a fresh pair of pair of objective eyes to give pragmatic advice mm-hmm.
1: yeah. <laughs> did you have a um a mental when it came to hunting
0: nah which is um yeah probably been a downfall like i th- i think like with paul michael's um hunting blueprint i might might get that because that was that was exactly the thing that again was at home with me on saturday was i'm at the stage now where i can go out and get into where the deer are mm. Um, I've been seeing a lot of deer on my, on my trips, Mm. but the, uh, setting up the situation to hunt them and, and, you know, increase the likelihood of actually being able to take them Mm. is still not quite there. Um, so the climb I read that I got, it it was again, seeing, seeing the terrain, walking, walking the terrace. Coming across somebody's game camera over a wallow going, Hey, this is a great spot. <laughs> you know, again, like I was saying with on Saturday, you know, walking a, a track that somebody else has gone, you're like, Well, you know, I've identified the terrain that's mm. popular. And um then I got past the wallow and, and not too far there's there's a skid mark and I was like, Oh, there's there's a deer around. So that that kind of was enough to recognise that there's something close mm. piqued my interest. And then she had been sitting in the tuplejack and she did yeah did the bolt and look back and she stood behind a punga, and that's why i had to take the next shot and yeah and it was only 30 meters so it was great mm. but it was it was still like a things fell into place for me type thing mm. whereas when i went back in easter you know the again i was like following trails finding fresh sign and then walking out you know you see the the ass end of the red deer bolting through the jacket, like damn it mm. like, that's that's annoying and the, the same with many missions in the car workers had a um two deer run off in, in the raw the last time i was there in, in our teddy and like it's just like ah, oh. um yeah it was like beneath Longview, hunting around this place like deer sign everywhere mm. came down there's a big clearing beneath there creeping in and yeah the whole like into the clearing, wind changes. There she goes. She barks, runs around, does a full circle around the clearing, goes in behind the tree, and I was just waiting for the gap. But she she knew what to do. She just like bolted it through the gap and out and away. And I was like ah again, like ah, and then again, um, found a spur, went up a spur again, sign everywhere, you know, smelling stag, seeing stag, and then I see him just or it up the hill mm-hmm. and I'm like oh, god damn I'm in the right place but how do I get on top of you and that's probably why he lives there because you can't get on top of him yeah
1: yeah I mean it's um, the reason why I ask is because I find that like, I didn't have a mentor either when I came yeah. to hunting I did it all my own and the same as you like, so
0: where did you join in Auckland or when you went down south
1: no down south so I got my first rifle in the Hawks Bay in Napier yeah started hunting down there but really got into it here in Tallulga
0: yeah. where did you go down in Hawke's Bay
1: uh yeah I got crushed up into the kowecas yeah i went a little bit and
0: which which end
1: dude you know what I don't did you go to the
0: mohaka or what an epithype?
1: i did both yeah um, yes i went to both yeah more the mohaka direction i think uh, the mohaka is a special place for us because that's where we started filming yeah the, the wild table channel oh nice beautiful man have you tried fish the mohaka
0: no no um so dave peary and i um, another Perry um we, New Year's, for New Year's Eve, um, we walked to Makino Hut in the dark, um, had New Year's Eve there, ate the back straps of the Vedic um, Seeker yelling I'd shot the, the week before at the other end of the car workers at, mm. at McIntosh. And then we sort of, I think we had two nights up there, mucking around, getting squealed at. And then we walked down into the Makino, um, stayed in a bit down there, um, hunted a little bit of the Mangatanoka, and then we walked out and the whole time we were clearing the trap line so mm. i think we cleared like 26 rats um a bunch of stoats um got to tapuya lodge there was four um field just out front of the lodge oh yeah cool and then we went down a bit more and there's where the river kind of turns back of I mean, its on itself there's a little shallow and there's half a dozen juvenile field like canning it around and of course all those pools there yeah. I, think, I think justin was just released his youtube channel and he's, fishing in there yeah and yeah there was just like trout all, all through there Absolutely. same same when we were up in the makina there was trout in the makina what an area eh? yeah. Just, and, and in the yeah. <coughs> yeah yeah
1: it's, it's a stunning environment for sure yeah um yeah we i i i, I bit my teeth man on so, like so on that terrain and trying to i think you know like when it comes to um like learning how to hunt like i can't i wish i had a had a mentor mm, me who, too someone but someone older mm. you know not someone not a peer mm-hmm. like i really wish i had a, a,
0: yeah i'm trying to pick lee's brain yeah before i went out the other day i said what's again what, what, to i any tips mate?" yeah and just said like Op- open country and yeah i yeah, found found a few slips just no idea yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah
1: and uh you know what? I, what I really enjoyed with your conversation with him, there's a sense like with those slightly older guys. You know, there's a sense of um, I've been there, done that. Mm. Calm down. Yeah, yeah. Which I, I think goes a long way. You know, for anyone who's like thinking about getting into hunting, you know, any new hunters, because that that thing we like chasing, 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 chasing the yeah. deer. You know, yeah, yeah. That, that you know we was like, man, I really just want to get the deer. I, I actually think that's really not helpful for hunting. Yeah, it's actually the other way. I think when you're like really calm. And you're just really, really present and you're really just like hunting, but being there, it's kind of when like the moments tend to sort of disappear, you know, like mm. the, the, the things just tend to sort of slip into, into.
0: And I think that was the key that morning in the Kaumais. I'd done all that work in the car Workers moved to Tokoroa, um, it had been like 10 months. I reached the bush edge at, um, is it Te Puhi Track? Tiduhi track? and it was green and I was like just let it wash over me and like, there's a creek right at the bottom and it's just, like the greatest sound I always take a drink there mm. made my way up the up the hill and yeah found this little clearing just having a look and then saw the little tunnel through and I was like oh I might go that way mm. and yeah it was just again it was like falling into place mm-hmm. observing and mm-hmm. yeah like I said I saw that print and I was like oh that must be something close yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's interesting interesting thought that one
1: <clears throat> yeah right like when you when you sort of because like I'm a you know when I when I learned how to hunt, I just went all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what that was like for you, but every chance I could get, every Saturday morning, to the dismay of my partner at the time, she was just like, "Man, you're you, you're nuts," you know. I just wanted to learn how to hunt. You know,
0: adult like, onset hunting, yeah, It's a it's terrible virus.
1: Man, just <coughs> go and go and go and go mm-hmm. and go. On. But and I was I was not successful for a long time mm. you know, until I went out with one guy who sort of guided me to my first deer. That was like super helpful. And then, like gradually over the years, I've, I've shot a good number of deer, by now and so gradually over the years, I think, for the most part, my energy has shifted and changed mm-hmm. in that space. And it's, and obviously, like now we have um, access to the hunting HQ, which has made things way easier. But I definitely think that you know, like your vibe in the bush mm. and, how, and how you are like feeding into that system and how you're interacting with that on an energetic basis like it does have a, a quite a high impact on on the mm. outcome right
0: eh? it's funny you're saying like yeah i've done that before at um mangamooka hut at easter there's this guy that had been going to Mangamuka hut for mm. 25 years mm. he had his old dog there who could barely see um barely here but i'm pretty sure she could still smell mm-hmm. and yeah it's like he already had a deer in the chiller and oh, in the meat safe sorry and um yeah he like came back from the morning i'd been been out all morning like i said following trails but not seeing anything he's like oh i saw two watched two hands yeah. for a while and then we were walking back to the heart and the stag walked in front of us yeah. and i was like what do you mean man Right? <laughs> well,
1: well, it's uh, you know i mean like we understand the environment to such a poor state right like how things really interact with each other like we understand things from a physical perspective and, yeah. and obviously like science is leading us deeper and deeper and down the re- rabbit hole but f- when you sort of start looking at things from a slightly more spiritual p- perspective or metaphysical perspective how things really interact with one another we don't really understand that stuff yeah. right but like for sure like things bounce off one another you know everything is frequency yeah at, at some point like if you just keep going down and down things are frequency and like how are you how you enter the forest you know, and the state that you're in, like, it definitely makes a difference, man. I've got, I've had uh, probably my sort of most profoundly um spiritual experiences just being out in the forest on my own. Mm. You know, and they weren't always what I thought they were either. Mm. Like, um, I remember one time being hunting um, for wallaby. Like, I just found out I didn't know we had wallaby <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> and I the mean, ones
0: up here are the better ones.
1: <laughs> t- have you tried the ones down south? No. Like, right, no, no, the ones up here t- as yes, man.
0: Yeah. I've uh, kind of said the ones south over, the overgrown rats.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Mind you, a lot of people say a lot of things and I tend yeah. to disprove them when I cook them properly. Yeah. it's. Uh, I remember being wallaby hunting and I was, I was like so hell intent on getting a wallaby. I went right back to the beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just like beating my head against the fucking tree, like trying to get one of these wallabies. And I was out there I was hunting. I had my 17HMR. I'd gotten a permit to hunt them yeah. with rim fire on Dockland. I'd done all the due diligence. Do you have
0: to use... 17 HMR or can you use 22? No, you can use 22. Yeah.
1: I, I just much prefer the 17 HMR yeah. as a caliber. Um, it's it's my go-to. Yeah. Small game caliber. Um, and I'm out there and I'm out there. And I'm hunting, I'm hunting in like hours and hours and hours. And like that time is drawing. But you know when you've just gone too far? 10, mm. like 10 a.m. Usually, mm. 11 a.m. You're just like, come on, man. Like oh,
0: it's 10.30 to you. I've shot a couple of 10.30. No, no it doesn't
1: happen, right? It doesn't does, like, <laughs> like, wintertime, for sure. But, yeah. like, generally in summertime, like, when, you've, when you oh, summertime, when yeah. you go to 10, like, the animals have gone to bed down. Yeah. Like, you've, you're too late. You've yeah. messed it up. You're,
0: you're sweating your ass out. You're like, yeah, they're not doing it. They're not out here. <laughs> sweating my ass out,
1: man. I saw a couple. That, they're so fast, bro. Like, hunting wallabies in the bush is tough, dude. Like, it's really tough. Like, it's definitely one of those animals you want to hunt on, on farm, at night, preferably. But I couldn't find one, you know? And so, and then it started raining and I was just like, ah, like, what is this? And then I just had this moment of just going, ah, you know what? Okay, whatever. Mm. I'm just going to, I'm just going to enjoy this walkout. I unloaded my gun and I put it away. I was like, even if I see a wallaby, whatever, it's gone. And then like smack bang at that moment, I run into like a particular mushroom that I, that I really like harvesting. You know, we have, um, enoki, um, right. what are they? um, velvet Chanks. it's unbelievably beautiful mushroom to eat. Yeah bright orange like you see them um in that particular they that? have a stem or no yeah they have stems yeah yeah they go on old wood mm. like dying decaying wood uh, saprophytic um and i was just like cool like this is why i'm here right now you know i didn't like i didn't come here to this piece of forest right now to get a wallaby i can't this is this mm. is what's here for me right now and i was a it was a liberating and peaceful moment to just like harvest those mushrooms and just go mm. okay like i i I don't know like i have a quite a sort of a spiritual i guess outlook on on hunting you know it's not just harvesting meat it's also interacting with nature and in that moment i was there for mushrooms right Mm. wallabies just wasn't on the cards for me that day and when i just relaxed into that moment and i just appreciated that and i just took those mushrooms i was at peace Mm. you know i think like hunting is quite often the same way like when even when you do end up shooting an animal like if you're pushing it too hard right and you're chasing it too hard like quite often you you miss a you miss those moments you miss Mm. the opportunity
0: Mm. I think that's how I connected with you, you was uh, when you spoke at NCDA Taurong here. Or Bayer Pliny. Were we, you there? No, no. because uh, Syracuse put it up on gotcha. on, the, on the page and stuff gotcha, like gotcha. that. Um, where, where did, how did you sort of learn about New Zealand fungi?
1: Dude, uh, lockdown. Lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like lockdown to me was such a gift, man. Like, and I, I say this with all um, respect to the virus. And people have lost their lives who got who gotten really ill. To me, uh, the lockdown was a gift. It was, yeah. It was a break. You know, like I, I'm a landscaper by trade. I work really hard, and I'm quite quite knackered a lot. So to me, to have a month off, and, or however long it was, six two, weeks, yeah, yeah, to whatever, yeah. whatever it was, um, and to make a bit of money from the government and not have to work it was just was just a blessing. And I I was living in a house at the time with three other dudes. Including my brother and the, the, those guys, like, didn't get out of bed until like one or two in the afternoon. They were just like, "Yeah, you know, fuck it. This is like full on holiday. We're gonna sleep. We're gonna watch TV. We're gonna play video games." <laughs> Me, I was out there every single day. I've got two dogs. Yeah, you know, you, you've met, and I was just like, I gotta walk them. So I had a bit of a look at the top topo maps, you know, that I use for hunting around where I was living. I was like, hey, you know, if if I just follow these parks. I can actually get from one park to the next. I can be out there quite a lot. Yeah. So I took my dogs and I went, and f- I noticed that there was um, field, just white field mushrooms popping up, mm-hmm. um, uh, agaricus. And I looked at it, and I was like, oh, I've, I've... Yeah, because
0: I, I was on the farm. It was drought still, but they was still, yeah. still coming up on the farm. Yeah, yeah. It, was,
1: it was actually a really good year for mushrooms. Yeah. You know, since then, I've noticed that not every year is a really good year for mushrooms. But that year was great for mushrooms, which, again, to me, it just aligned for what I wanted to do. Mm. And so I picked these agaricas, and I took them home, and I didn't eat them. <laughs> <laughs> I was too scared. Yeah. Did some research, looked at them. Okay, it's like white mushroom pink gills. No, no, no. Like I was onto the right ones. Went out again the next day. Do you,
0: do you know that there's the white mushroom pink gills with the ring around it that there is a um poisonous version that has green spores, but it's probably not in New Zealand.
2: Right.
0: When I was in Australia, I saw that one. Really? And I was like, Green on top as well, and I was like, "Oh, that's that one." <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, you got to be careful for sure, yeah. you know? and that's why I didn't eat the first batch. Yeah. But I went back, I got those mushrooms, I ate those ones. Because like, the brown
0: gills, you're like, "How could?" <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: so they start off pink, yeah, and then they go brown. And yeah. uh, I mean, yeah, for anyone wanting to get into mushroom hunting, like, do be careful, you know, do do your research. But field mushrooms is like the easiest place to start. Like, you're gonna get the right ones. If it has white gills, don't eat it. Yeah, you know, it's, that's a, that's a really important point. I started with those and then I just like started making my way through all these different parks and I started, I think I learned to identify 10 or so edible mushrooms, Mm. all of which I found and on my walks through the parks. Wow. Uh, And I was just like, this is such a gift, you know, like being, having this like time to walk and to like explore Mm -hmm. nature and then really to like dedicate myself to learning this one thing because I can't do anything else. Couldn't go fishing, couldn't go hunting that that was my thing and so I, t- I taught myself that and i'm you know i'm so grateful for it because now it's just added this whole other string to my bowl that if i go through nature and i can't get my hands on on this well i, I stumble across that instead and I, you know mushrooms super yeah. tasty right super healthy as well
0: what about the foliage i saw um Adam a jack he was um adam jackson talking about uh kawakawa how the fruit's about to start coming out it-
1: yeah yep. yeah so I've, I've done a lot of different things uh, so it's, it's sort of one of my biggest things is just, I can't sit still and I always have to like try different things so um, I got a book at the time called The Wildcraft Cuisine mm-hmm. by a guy called Pascal Badeau he's a, a Belgian fellow living in the States who does a lot of like wild crafting so he makes uh, wild vinegars wild, wild alcohols like wild beer all that kind of stuff all from forest ingredients got his book um, Did even did a little online thing with him and as so I made uh kawakawa mead fermented honey wow yeah it was great so, <clears throat> so beautiful and i uh, know that that kawakawa flavor really really complimented that that drink a lot the berries you can eat them um they're a bit peppery so they're, mm. in, the, they're in the pepper family so they're um macropiper Nig- no uh excelsior so they're um which macropiper i think is the pepper family mm-hmm. i think macropiper nigra or nigram is black pepper mm. And so they are very much the same family. So they have that kind of aniseedy, peppery kind of mm-hmm. kind of flavor. Yeah, aniseedy for sure. Um, so you, <clears throat> if you use them sparingly, there, there's a lot of stuff in New Zealand that you can eat. Although I found for sure that um, most of the things that are easy to find, and that tends to be on the fringes of urban environments, tend to be European things. You know, like um, even the mushrooms that we're talking about. A lot of them. Have come through the roots of European trees because mm. you know, a lot of fungi have that sort of mycorrhizal relationship with mm. European trees mm. that it brought the trees here and it brought a lot of those mushrooms with as well. Um, have you
0: gone down truffle hunting with Chow? I,
1: I have gone truffle hunting. I've actually found wild truffles as well. Wow, nice. Yeah. Uh, with your dog? It's rare now. Dude, I was landscaping, I was digging. Right. Uh, and this, I came across these white little things and I go, I was like, shit, man, these, these things are truffles. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah. I couldn't believe it. Not as strong as as a as a, as a like a, one of those like French truffles, mm. um, but yeah, that that to me is a little bit too manicured, you know. The whole truffle. Have you been to a truffle farm? No,
0: I, it's it's like one of my. If I ever have um have a block of trees that they have truffles on them, Do you want yeah. Some truffles, yeah, I mean, it's like, yeah, I want to have an orchard, you know, pigs and chickens running through them.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's our dream as well. Yeah,
0: yeah, and um, chicken tractor. Yep. I need a chicken tractor because my um, when well, my girlfriend claims she's scared of chickens, but. On Saturday, Saturday uh, Sunday I caught the hen and she patted the hen so I'm less less
1: convinced <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah chickens is a big goal for us too man I really really want to have some chickens and hey like now eggs are becoming more valuable by the day mm. so yeah um,
0: you're talking about mentors uh, the farmers that was Murray Matushka's. and um I've just got the seeker by Banwell, so that's going to be the next series of big game records that I do that's that's Big America was volume one. So of the third third book I'm reading out of finally got to volume one. But um a lot of the photos are from Murray's farm and and I think um the fourth or fifth trophy is is this one that Murray net gunned and they took to the farm and bred the sort of um seeker stock out of. Okay. Um so yeah. I'm hoping that I can read the chapter with Murray and get his opinion, but we'll we'll watch this space. But yeah someone like that you know when you're saying that i've been and done it meeting someone who's 87 um Mm -hmm. has broken in a sheep and beef farm and turned it into a deer farm and then created a destination farm which is my dream like he was basically when he i started talking to him about a farm i said this this is exactly what i want to do and like like say when you're in the bush your energy and your vibe tends to relay back and i think that's quite similar in the world and like you know i just came in as a patient and we got talking about deer cool yeah and then yeah. i was like i know who you are <laughs> i was like you made all those awesome statues you yeah. know i've got photos in front of the wild pretty statue with my yeah with my antlers out and you know the the ticapo tar and yeah and actually in the shed there's the the uh plaster mold of that ticapo tar mm. with with real tar horns because he has got tar on the farm, <laughs> and a zebra and a bison
1: all those all those things that you can find. <laughs> they,
0: used to, they used to have back black buck. Right. Yeah, so he's part of the Hamilton Zoo's, um, I guess, uh, acquiring of, of black buck, And yeah, he had someone on the farm to hunt back R- in the day. Really? Yeah, yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah. Fire up, man. Are your uh, grandparents still alive?
0: Um, both my grandmothers are. Yeah. Yeah, my, my daughter's pretty lucky. She's uh, got four great-grandmothers and uh she still has one great-grandfather yeah and um my mum's dad met my daughter as well so i've got a really cool photo of when she's she's not even one on on his lap and with my grandma as well so yeah yeah um my grandma is turning 91 or 92 this this year in march and my other grandma is 86 and my granddad lived to 92 as well so that's why the longevity things are focused. I want to be uh, strong and fit and uh, not deteriorate if, if I'm going to live into my nineties.
1: <laughs> yeah, man. Well, um, a couple of different directions I go there. Like, do you have much of a relationship with your with your grandparents?
0: Yeah. So, particularly the ones in Invercargill, uh I grew up with. Um, my granddad, he was um, good swimmer. Um, he was the sort of head coach, and life member of. Southland and Butterhookie swimming Club that I grew up in, then mum followed suit and same with my uncle. Um yep. when we go camping in Glendar Bay in Monaco, um so my parents have actually planted a Kaufai tree at the the campsite with you know Graham and Murray Mulligan going there since nineteen sixty four. Wow. Um so yeah, like they'd come camping with their caravan and and you know, I'd have holidays and stuff with them um my family would go off to rowing up to like and I'd stay behind in Invergargle and go stay with them so yeah cool. I was really close with them growing up um and then yeah coming home reunion holidays still lots to do with them Christmas with them um
1: do you ever ask you know on their sort of take on longevity No,
0: nah, yeah and that's that's what's um interesting with my grandmother now with you know, she's probably beyond early cognitive decline. Right. She's into dementia. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if she could articulate or not. Oh, would yeah, it'd be yeah, it's something I should ask her. And then same same with my grand. I find really interesting. Like she's eighty six, and always had this chronic blood pressure, which is a real stressor. And at eighty four, she got diagnosed as celiac, which kind of justifies my gluten free stance. Right um and yeah uh blood pressure medications i think all or she might have one all removed blood pressure under control uh off statin um her inflammation improved she'd had a bypass and and things like that um and yeah she was partly would have been the surgery but yeah very arthritic and rheumatoid after that but has improved out of sight and now she's like sprightly again 86 walking around the hills of the top of the hill of Dunedin where they live wow and yeah it's probably a good question for her because yeah and also come off her glaucoma medication i Mm -hmm. think that's probably again linked to the metabolism and that's
1: all through just getting off off gluten
0: yeah yeah so you know that inflammatory load over a lifetime Yeah. yeah it's a
1: it's a fascinating one man i i mean my dog, you know, I, I got a Labrador who's going on twelve now, and um, wow, yeah, she's she's in good neck, you know, she's moving around. But when Charlie turned, not to compare my dog to your grandma, no, that's
0: fine. I I understand the analogy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's just my example, or like my outside of my own body is my like closest observable um example. When she was, I think, maybe seven or eight, you know, she used to play a lot of fetch with Charlie. Mm-hmm. Labrador likes to get balls, you throw a lot of balls. One day she caught a ball and she, her hips just gave away, picking mm-hmm. up. And like, I couldn't see it coming before that, though. She'd already started limping. Uh, but then I took her to the vet and the vet was like, Yeah, you know, bro, uh, happy life, short life. And I was like, Are you telling me that my dog's like, bug it?
2: Mm.
1: And he was like, Yeah. You know labradors hip dysplasia not good um hip dysplasia is essentially labradors have quite uh, shallow acetabulum hip sockets mm-hmm. and so i know
0: about acetabulum right <laughs> that had mine operated on oh really yeah yeah <laughs> well actually now my female operated on i oh, know i nearly snapped the end off of my acetabulum
1: <laughs> where the two join
0: where the, my hip just been yeah. bashing on it yeah. for yeah. year on year yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: so the vet was pretty pretty much telling me that it came over, right? And I was like, you know what? I've changed my diet for the better, and I've I've changed a lot of stuff in my health. Um, why am I feeding my dog kibble? Because mm-hmm. it's always feeding them at the time. You know, for some reason in my silly brain, the two hadn't linked up yet. So I changed her diet to a raw diet. Mm. And lo and behold, a couple of months later, she's good. Yeah. You know, she's jumping back to the truck. I mean, in all fairness, she's retained some of the damage. So she doesn't like jumping on stuff. But I taught her how to retrieve um, birds at the age of nine. Nice. So I speak of te- teaching new tricks to old dogs. Yeah, yeah. And she she said now had uh, four seasons on the birds with me. Awesome. Yeah. You know, after all that stuff, after the doctor was ducks like, or Arlenberg? No, no, anything. anything. Yeah. yeah, yeah, ducks, pheasants mostly. I love I love <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, have, have you?
0: No, but yeah. The- they're um they're pulling the shits up me walking through (laughs) polanoi on saturday and friday god's sake loss yeah (laughs) Um, yeah they got business everywhere through polanoi
1: oh man it's yeah it's such a it's such a uh, noble adversary (laughs) because that's so fast i'll do you so many times i can imagine so smart yeah Uh, i'm really lucky there's a farm up here um in tauranga that we've got access to and they have to hundreds of them Mm -hmm. so you get more than one chance you know yes yeah so
0: how did ludus start were you at the start or how did yep. you meet joe and-
1: yeah no, we started uh same agency so i mentioned i was into acting and mm-hmm. a little bit of modeling and that kind of stuff and joe was with the same uh actually i don't think it was with the same agency yet but he was sort of part of the same circle we met um, i did a little extra role on a show called um go Girl girls
2: mm-hmm.
1: it was it was on back then and joe, that's I, a good show yeah it, yeah it actually wasn't bad at all i, I got a few friends on that show uh joe was one of the cast members and i think we just sort of got chatting at some stage he was kind of a mate of a mate sort of thing and uh, got chatting at some stage and you know it turned out we sort of had the same like drive and passion for fitness mm-hmm. and we're just like Fuck it, let's do something
0: so where the model of the training come from
1: the what sorry
0: where the model of the oh. training come from
1: uh so a lot of that stuff was kind of an amalgamation sort of joe had his like rugby background mm-hmm. so he had a lot of sort of agility type stuff and and endurance style of training i guess from his rugby rugby days for me i'd sort of done a bit more creative of a journey so i've done a little bit of gymnastics training and taught myself muscle ups on the rings and sort of got into the iron cross holes and that kind of jazz done a lot of martial arts Stuff. through
0: chris summer or exclusive of that mm, stuff just yeah.
1: just because like where i was living at the time in glenfield there's a there's a gymnastic center and they do like adult classes in the evenings sometimes so you can just go on and kind of use all that equipment awesome. and watch these <clears> young <throat> kids do tricks that you'll never be able to do ever again <laughs>
0: <laughs> my daughter's doing, doing gymnastics at the moment eh, and she's only four so she's trying to learn how to like handstand and cut wheel, and i'm just like looking at her going man, and, and like i've got rings at home which is she's already getting in the gap pretty good i'm like yeah work yourself back around girl and but yeah i know like she's gonna take it up pretty fast
1: <laughs> oh yeah man like young bodies eh? it's, it's incredible what we're capable of right yeah so uh, and then uh, martial arts done done a lot of um i started muay Thai when i was 15 or 14 something like that in germany took it up when i came here um trained at philip lam um in up in auckland so yeah did did a lot of martial arts and then sort of changed to like a mma type type of background i never really took martial arts too seriously i never competed or nothing but it gave me a really good base you know like i'm quite a big believer in uh certain exercises and certain ways of moving just give you a much better like stance in life you know what i mean and martial arts in my my mind is probably one of the best ways to do it really good proprioception really good um Balance, strength, movement, speed, flexibility, all that stuff, and then just a the creative mind. You know, we just started coming up with stuff, right mm. and, and like I mean, it's funny because it sort of ultimately turned out not too dissimilar from CrossFit. Mm. Um, there was a, there was a few things that we were quite determined to not do the same. We really wanted an environment that was competitive for yourself, but really supportive for everyone yeah. else. And, you know, that was really important. <coughs> that was definitely the vibe. Yeah. I mean, we had guys like Ruben Wiki there, mm. who was just like the, if you wanted to draw a picture of like a warrior, yeah. a human being, like look at Ruben Wiki when he was in his thirties. Holy yeah. shit, dude. Like the, the proportions are just perfect, you know, yeah. built, fit. And at the same time, the nicest human being that you could ever ask for. And he would do these workouts. He would smash them out, finish first, and then go right back to the slowest person he could find and just do it all over again with that person. And, like, I love that. There was so much joy in that training method where, like, the fittest guys would then go back and, like, help other people achieve the same thing again, you know? Yeah. There, was, there was a really strong, like, family <clears throat> environment.
0: You've actually brought a realization to me about my attitude on the rugby field and then also when I went to Australia and did CrossFit. Mm. And it is from being in the class with Ruben Wiki.
1: <laughs> really? is that right yeah what's that
0: like going back finding the person who's behind right um like i've always been very fit and that's how i managed to sort of get to a certain level of sevens um was through fitness and just like being able to hold a high energy level through a whole game you know 10 15 minutes of sevens mm. um and still being able to work just as hard at the end and start like yo-yo test beep, beep test bronco test the, that's my money, but like, yeah, fortunately for me, I'm not you know six foot four, I'm only six foot and um, you know, not as fast as, as what it could have been, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know, in a country like New Zealand, when everyone plays rugby, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> if you don't quite fit the bill, it's a yeah, it's tough, you don't quite fit the bill. So, yeah. you
1: reckon if you had been taller, you wouldn't have made it further,
0: yeah. I think, yeah, you know, maybe even two more inches, um, might have if I could have had the same sort of stats, yeah. It's, yeah. it's
1: funny i have the same thoughts sometimes i could have made it a lot further as a model i think if i if i had been just a little bit taller yeah because yeah, you got to stand next to girls and you got to be taller than them yeah <laughs> but they're quite tall so. yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> not quite the same not quite the same thing but yeah I, yeah i kind of wish i was a bit taller too um but yeah training with ruben wiki and training in those days did you how many like did you come for like a while on, a, on a yeah
0: because like i said the i had won a free free membership there and i can't remember how long it was right. But yeah i like made the most of it i like came all the time because yeah. um uni was in grafton so i'd finish class just walk up yep. up to ludus yep. and then grab the bus um, down and road all the way out to only yep. yeah so it, was, it worked out really well and i was just like oh i think i might have might have paid for a membership for a month but like i said i was, yeah, useless, was useless with my money
1: I mean, we tried i remember we tried keeping it affordable then <clears> even, <throat> even but you know um it is, it is expensive like I, i'm still like now i'm like i have the money to go to join, join a gym but i'm like man do i really want to pay that amount of money i have kettlebells on stairs and rings and actually i went to my 10 or bunnings or something the other day and i saw that they were selling um uh they were selling like playground sets for mm-hmm. kids and so they had these like eyes that are just like on a hinge but, yeah. but real sturdy stuff and like and yellow like handles that you mm-hmm. put onto like, like a playground set and i was like <laughs> sweet so i picked that stuff up and i screwed it onto the rafters on yeah you my, know in my, in my garage and that's kind of what i do my chin-ups and leg raises and, and yeah. one hum uh, hangs and that kind of stuff on
0: yeah nice yeah my, my garage is not quite tall enough so i've just got a low ring set up and yeah, yeah do like ring rows and, and dips and um yeah i'll just break it up a little bit and do skin the cat every now and again and, yeah yeah, I blew out my Swiss ball the other day, so now I've started doing my ring roads with my feet on the Swiss ball. Just created a little bit of evenness and stuff, and then I can do from seated into a muscle up, but not not rips or anything like that. And yeah, yeah, I've tried. I've tried it from a hanging ring, and I'm like, mm, nah, still can't do that. <laughs> do
1: you do you find um, how do you find fitness translates into hunting?
0: Yeah, hard. Um, like when I trained and did an ultra, unfortunately I got. Fatelli tendinitis and ITB stress. Um, So, yeah, climbing up the hill was amazing. And then I took like 10 steps down the hill and I was like, ah. (laughs) But um, was that the hunt? No, yeah. I didn't do much hunting that one. Um, But, yeah, I went back about a month later when it had gone. And that was the time I got across two deer, climbed that big spur up into where that stag was. Like, yeah. So... I can definitely see how extreme endurance fitness, running in particular, if you're not injured, can be super valuable and give you the confidence to attack spurs. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's I've, I sort of thought I was feeling at the moment. Like I've been doing Tohara once a week. I went down and did Royce Peak um, and, and ran a lot of that Royce Peak, ran most of the way down. Actually, yeah, pretty much the whole way down, um, even when I had blisters on my feet. Um, and so then when I went on the weekend, I thought I would have been good but the thing that tripped me up was the three hours walk in with the pack on my back yeah wrecked me
1: uh-huh.
0: and then the three hours out with the pack on my back just nearly killed me and i was like ah oh, this this is such a hard balance
1: it is a hard balance right like cardiovascular fitness and like muscular endurance and strength and uh have you, you ever seen a an atlas trainer atlas trainer it's like a backpack but it's got oh like i know what you're talking about right yeah, 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 the yeah. Bar and you, uh, can, you can put like a 20 kg or multiple yeah plates on oh man i really want to get one of those because i think that style of training where you're yeah carrying something heavy like up a hill there's not really anything that you can train for other than actually doing that thing. yeah
0: hard yeah i know um mike mccormick does a lot of pack walking yeah and yeah it was something that i had in the back of my head to do one every month which yeah, and mm-hmm. like Clay Adam carries his pole as well with his pack. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, He was up up walking the other day. I was like, I need to do more of that after the weekend. Yeah, <laughs> after the weekend. And I and I and I don't know how much of it was on Friday morning. Um, part of this bloody circle of savages thing was a farmer's carry, and I did it with twenty five kgs. I don't know whether I like blew out my core and shoulders and traps. And, traps. Yeah, yeah. and so then that meant that I was already fatigued with the pack on. And so then <laughs> like. I was sitting in the hut on on Friday night and getting cramp in my abs. I'm like, oh, you know, how much of that was mm. was I blown out the my major movers? So then I had to recruit all these other smaller ones and stuff like that, and just fatiguing. Tough, yeah. tough getting it right, eh? Yeah, but that's cool. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. that's another training experience, basically. And, yeah. And like I say, if you can keep consistent and, and train all those little modalities and energy systems, then it's quite good for sure. And that's why that's why I kind of did like sevens slightly more than 15s was because it was such a dynamic energy system like it's so powerful but yeah. then at the same time there's like um sort of almost vo2 max endurance type mm. level thing yeah and i really thought that the bronco or the or the yo-yo test really correlated to a game of sevens yet it wasn't re- neither were really that applicable to a game of 15s yeah yeah,
1: yeah. you you don't do any of that stuff anymore
0: no nah, i got a bad concussion oh really <clears throat> yeah i played another season when i was in australia but yeah probably shouldn't have yeah, yeah it's
1: funny how, when you go back like i i sort of tried picking up martial arts again several times and got put on my ass got sort of knocked out only for a split second and i was like you know i'm done getting punched in the face stop <laughs> that and then got back into jiu-jitsu with my younger brother who's a, who's a wizard he's just dominating um but he's 15 years younger than me so he's yeah. just slain at that age you know 20 what is he six and i just got into that and, and i um got a guy into a really beautiful choke so chuffed with myself for saying it i up, rolled him over got him to the choke big guy you know big shoulders and my knee went oh shit like it went and the guy was like shit just rip your pants bro i'm like he was you know, in my triangle i was like no that was my knee got up i was like oh fuck's sake like that's that's it yeah, yeah never, that was me. I'm done. Yeah, sucks, man. Getting older kind of kind of blows. <laughs> <laughs> how, how old are you now? Thirty four. Yeah. yeah. Thirty nine. Thirty nine this year. Just yeah. Turned thirty nine. Yeah, you gotta you gotta approach this stuff definitely. Yeah, like I mean, I like I'm a believer. In obviously, like staying fit into uh, it's like um, uh, use it or lose it, right? Mm-hmm. I think if you stop, I think you, your your body's just like okay, we're done.
0: That's, that's what's cool with Darren's. I guess this is next decade. You know like what you know how do you still be strong how do you still be athletic in your 40s that's, mm-hmm. that's what's cool and that's what was, then with peter O'Tier, he's asking the question like from his perspective how do i be strong how do i be fit in my 50s mm. um and but he's also got peter has got the mindset of how do we be get off the ground when we're in our 90s how do we lift a child above our head when we're in our 90s you know i think he even talks talks about like the la- whatever the last decade of your life is, how do you optimise that so that the period of illness and sickness is short? Um, Karen said, Zin sort of said that to me as well. Like, live long, drop dead. <laughs> Ideally, right? Yeah. yeah, or like have have a s- small amount of time um like being ill and being ill and like hospice ridden or whatever yeah
1: for sure yeah yeah I mean none of that appeals to me like being being like like I was just talking to a friend and she's like oh my grandma just turned 100 it's just like what's her state oh she's in a wheelchair and she's this and that and she's and she's just plotting like man why would you Mm. Wouldn't you just rather be like, okay, let's go, like, mm. come on, this life is done. There's, n- there's nothing about being in a wheelchair that appeals to me. Yeah,
0: a- and and that's why i definitely fine with people who are in their like late 80s and 90s that I get as patients. They're incredible people. They're so sprightly. But um, that 70s block, eh? Hey, there's so much illness in that 70s block, and yeah, it's it's rough to watch. Yeah
1: what like with in all...
0: 60s evens even worse you're like oh God man
1: yeah I mean it's, uh, yeah I mean that's <laughs> like I'm now next year this year, end of this year I turned 40 and it's like the doctors start looking at you right yeah as of that age it's funny like I hate yeah, my doc-
0: girlfriend got asked for blood tests and she's like why did I have blood tests?" was like you're 35
1: yeah that's right you, you you just crossed a threshold yeah I hate going to doctors anyway so I have unfortunately very little faith in the sort of allopathic model that we tend to operate. I find a lot of doctors very like they just don't care. Yeah, like, and that was,
0: what but, was quite funny for me. Like from listening to Peter Tier, just like using the app, requesting like a blood panel, and I th- I don't know. I would have loved to have like got some kickback or pushback from the GP. Like some of the practice nurses have asked me, like, "What do you want those for?" Yeah, and I'm like, "Because I want to track them." I want to know that so like when I do get a 35 it's like that's like the rule, like benchmark like hey what's your what's your 5 year 10 year cardiovascular risk factors like that yeah, but it's yeah. like, I already know them like I tested this thing ApoB and it was good and I was like oh good my like cardiovascular risk factors are good my diabetes risk factors are good my infl- inflammation is good um, you yeah, know my kidneys and my, my liver is working so that's, that's all good and yeah and so I want to try and build up like that 6 monthly record over time that you know but it's not seeing a doctor
1: <laughs> no yeah. no it's, it's almost like doing your own yeah
0: testosterone as well looking at testosterone what's like yeah, what's
1: that's an interesting one man testosterone do you um do you take any supplements for that like no like pine pollen or something
0: no no I um yeah pine pollen that's a, that's a you're another person um
1: I keep meaning to harvest them like they're yeah. so abundant
0: see so, um yeah Adam Jackson uh, Alpha Jack he he is pretty good at harvesting harvesting it. I think he's done doing in now. He okay. was up here for a while. Yep. Um yeah, he's got a good method. Must
1: There's a Have you heard of um uh, I should have thought of this before I said this. What's his name? There's a guy down south. Um I actually know him. Is based in Albertown? I, want to oh, yeah, about I know who you're you No, know I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. He runs like a men's yeah. thing.
0: So the guy they talk him, Greg Gibson. Um, I've had him on three times. Yeah, he's he was an integrative practitioner and in, uh, sort of Gold Coast for a while there. Mm. Um, he's gone back to emergency medicine now, um, okay. but yeah, he sort of taught him how to do that. Okay, Jeez, what is his name? Yeah. yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay. He, he was on early in, on the one of the early episodes as well.
1: Oh, you had him on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, way back
0: 2017. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cool guy. I like his. I like his um, sort of take on it. Yeah self-reliance you know a lot of cold water stuff he actually we, we he was like yeah because we it's I mean, it's funny right now now like we connected through instagram I, yeah. I connect through so many people through instagram such a connection tool it's like become like the new like phone number yeah <laughs> i connected with him uh through instagram and he was like hey you should come to my place i'm in albert town and you know? we'll do like a cold water float yeah it's like oh, that sounds good so i was kind of really into like that sort of getting to cold water at the time and uh we did a so we, his idea was like running from his house up the Clutha river, yeah. which was like pretty much just above freezing at all times, run up the Clutha river, uh, and then float back down and then run back to the house. Yeah. Cool idea. Yeah. But we started running and we just kept running. And I sort of looked at him at some stage and I was like, bro, are we good? We're like, how, how far are we going to float? And he was like, oh, anytime. And I was like, okay, now it's good. Cause that we'd been running for like a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. like, oh no, she floats pretty quick. I'm like, okay hopped in this like freezing cold water, you know, <laughs> Instant. and he was like, cool as a cucumber because he does it all the time. Yeah. And then we floated down this freaking river and he's like, oh, just don't try not to hit any boulders. And that's the only dangerous part. I'm like, okay, cool. So like trying to control my breathing while like going into like, like a, approaching like hypothermia quite quickly. Uh, and trying to dodge boulders in the river. And I remember just like popping out of the river and I was just like, you know that, you know that sense when you like know that you've kind of done something that you shouldn't have? Yeah. I was like, I'm too cold, you know. Ran back to his house and I was like, oh, yeah, I have a quick shower, but I didn't want to be like super. Uh, if it had been my house, I would have sat in that hot shower probably for like an hour, you know, <laughs> just to try- Yeah,
0: and there's thats the thing. The water doesn't really help. You got to like get the, this way. The run would have done you good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've done a, done a few sessions with Nigel Beach. He- both here in Hawke's Bay, and you yeah, know that's like one of the things he talks about that rebound hypothermia is no good because you get the rush to your skin and then it comes back to your heart and you're like, ooh, yeah, shit. Ooh,
1: yeah. that doesn't make you feel very good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, I never really warmed up properly and I slept in my truck that night. you know I was, oh, just, I was shivering all night. Like it wasn't. wasn't. wasn't a, a cool experience. But I should have just pulled the pin earlier on that run. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it, it's what's messed up about the Clutha River, like Lake Wanaka is not too, not too bad. But yeah, once once it hits the river. But you know, it does fluctuate, like even like topo, difference between what it is like right now and when I was when I was swimming in there and I think I started doing that in August or, or September, it was pretty bloody cold. Um <laughs> Ryan Nicholson who came up came up from um Carleton, jumped jumped in and he had a whoop strap on and he washed his heart rate just go whoop <laughs> 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 What the fuck are you doing? Danger. Yeah. Danger. But um you're talking about the like Gasping for breath, thing. I hate open water, and so like I'd been swimming out to the, started swimming out to the boys in in Wanaka, like I did when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And I know that there's lots of lake where there and I guess real deep in Lake Wanaka, but for some reason I was pretty, pretty good with it this this summer, and I was like, oh, well, I'll, I'll start doing that, in um, Lake Topol and swim it swim out to one boy and then swim out to another boy and and then um, I was like, ah, I'll take my goggles so then I can like sight better. But I know that that means I can see the bottom. And I, I was just like, start seeing the bottom and just start losing my breath. And I'm just like, this is so stupid. I can swim. And then I'm like, seeing the bottom. And it's, like, it's not even that deep. <laughs> and then it was like, I see a truck go past. I was like, that's kind of cool. And then, um, yeah, then I'm swimming along between the boys and it's just these massive forests of lakeweed that are like right there in my face that I'd be blissfully unaware <laughs> of. And I get them like, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like chill the fuck out man <laughs> yeah
1: yeah I mean it's good for you right like it's good for you to go to that stage uh, <clears throat> water to me it definitely like brings up a, a, that same like it's a particular kind of fear you know yeah I, I, I um,
0: what lies beneath you're oh, in their territory
1: yeah oh yeah totally you know, on a lake I mean but it's, even though logically right there's, yeah. there's nothing there but like that primordial part of my brain is still like get the fuck out of there man something's gonna eat you it's like monsters <laughs> it's monsters yeah
0: <laughs> awesome philip um so where are people finding you youtube and, and instagram right
1: yeah so the wild table is the name of the the gig so that's instagram that's tiktok that's tiktok we, we do it because it works yeah uh, that's youtube um and then actually i used my original instagram account which is wild underscore heart underscore hunter mm-hmm. that's kind of like the big sort of instagram yeah and yeah wild food
0: yeah that's what keeps you in flow man
1: doing it creating content you know like we're striving to stepping full-time into into creating content awesome so, and we've got a lot of exciting stuff happening there's a, there's guys coming here from overseas there's, there's a lot of local guys that i want to tee up with this year so we're just, i'm just amping to like get out there and do more
0: yeah so is it like entering a creative space is just like i'm doing continuing doing and i'm just like you're losing track of time
1: yeah no totally I, it's that's that's where my my creativity is my flow is at and you know like being in the role of a presenter as well like mm. i wanted to be an actor i couldn't really i wasn't a very good actor but being in front of the camera it was was kind of a big draw card and now doing it in a presenter role. So I'm like, okay, great. Like there's a lot of growth in this for me. And I, I really, I really enjoy it. Like looking back at the, the finished product as well. And you know, when has done her like magic with the editing and then just like having this like product yeah, that's like on YouTube and you kind of go back through all these episodes and see what you've done like to me. It's just, it's, it's really, really a, a, a big thing for me.
0: Awesome, man. Thank you so much, Philip. This <laughs> is delicious. <laughs> Cheers. And uh, yeah. Hey, before you go, make sure you've slapped five stars given this show a review. And head over to com. subscribe to the email list, and you'll get some uh, cool shit in your email on Mondays. Check it out.